welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey, 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 everybody, what's up? Knock on podcast, I don't know what number, coming at you from my basement. I'm literally sitting here looking at both of my bags opened up from Alberta. And yeah, I want to do a podcast literally while it's fresh in my mind recapping my first hunt with some new gear. And I think... I'm actually having fun with this. I think it's going to be cool because I really feel like I don't have any idea about this product in on the level of what I feel like I know about other products. So bear with me. Um, for all of you out there who are already sick of users, you guys know all the names you probably know the technology and I don't. So I'm trying to convert while also letting people who are interested in the same path convert with me because I think it's really, really valuable. And if you're someone who's new to Sitka as a product, you're going to find out really soon that they have a massive catalog and it's somewhat confusing that's the truth um you know as a consumer and i try to approach most of my product changes as a consumer because i really like to learn enough about the product to where i can relate to it on a grassroots level and the same is true even with products that i use um, or decide to partnership with, with knock on, you know, I always buy the product first and use it. And this relates all the way back to the first time I got a Traeger, you know, I literally said, um, you know, I would like to, to buy one. And I opened up the box, opened up the directions, literally assembled the first grill using the directions and, you know, kind of, really, I guess, assessed the level of ease and excitement and then obviously how the product performs. So I'm doing the same thing right now. And this podcast is really going to be about my gear that I just took to Alberta, which was um, an awesome hunt. It was much different than other years. Uh, Very wet for one and for two unseasonably cold uh you know several days were you know started out days in the low 40s got really cool at night um and it was just a totally different hunt it was i always go for the opening day just because i really like being there for that time of year and i like being there when the mule deer are patternable um and typically the elk are you know starting to talk but it was a full moon 
most of the movement um most of the movement was not at the times where it normally would be so it made it really tough a lot of movement you know just after dark when the moon was coming up uh which made it tough you know you got to see elk come to the fields but it was you know 30 minutes too late so to speak um <clears throat> it worked good or even better than I've ever had for the mule deer because mule deer a lot of times you'll see them in the morning where they're going and then you uh kind of try to keep eyes on them until they bed down and then they feed throughout the day and you're normally stalking in grain fields and it works really well when there's a full moon full moon and there's some midday feeding because you can get into position and then you're just waiting for the you know for them to stand up to do that and I had really good opportunity um, I had a I had a a giant mule deer duck my string um, which is almost a podcast on its own um, it was just the strangest thing you know sometimes animals are string jumpers and there's nothing you can do about it um, I don't feel like I definitely don't feel like my equipment's noisy I don't feel like it has anything to do with that um, because actually when I shot the mule deer just li- I think he was just so surprised that there was anything out there next to him that it was just like startling and as soon as it went off he just literally just sunk in the ground and dodged the arrow and then literally went about 30 yards stopped and turned around and just kind of looked around like what was that and ended up bedding back down again and then I ended up waiting, I think, maybe about seven or eight hours, stood up again, uh, had him at, I think, I think that second round had him even at 62 yards, uh, but I couldn't see any vitals. And then once I realized he was a string jumper, I was really doubting and debating whether or not I could make a shot like that. The first shot was at 48 yards, um, which that stuff happens and then actually Andy stalked it had an amazing stalk on a really cool buck um same thing he had a string jumper uh for no apparent reason the buck literally had no idea he was there uh he struggled you know with getting ranges because it's really hard to get ranges in that type of canola or tall grass or wheat Um, or CRP a lot of times I actually try to get my best ranges off their their rack like where their tines come down to the rack or their ears that's sticking up I try to get my ranges but it is sometimes tough Um, but yeah this hunt probably although it wasn't um, as successful in relation to tagging you know, punching tags. Typically when I go there, I can, um, if I'm hunting for a full week, I can fill multiple tags. And this year the elk were just really, really, um, they were really, really tough. I mean, I'm not going to kid around. We did about a hundred and 
just I think 110 kilometers in let's see we'd have been elk hunting about five or six days um, just absolutely ground out the miles and we did come across a few bulls that talked but they they wouldn't get aggressive they wouldn't close the gap they would just respond back they really wouldn't do anything about it um, but they were vocal at night you know at, when the full moon was up you could you could get out in the darkness and that you could hear them talking and bugling and you know a lot of the first signs started showing up but overall um, it was just a completely different hunt and I'm actually thankful for it simply because this hunt put my gear to the test and also one of the things over the past several years that I've elected to do is I actually um, even though Red Willow Outfitters where I go because you do have to have allocations you have to have tags as a non-resident from an outfitter you can't just go up there and buy a tag so you do have to use an outfitter um, but luckily you know my buddy Dusty uh, who I hunt who I've hunted with for you know either him or his dad for 20 years in BC um, he's Canadian so he's able to get an Alberta guides license so um, Todd gets me my allocations um, Todd from Red Willow Outfitters and Taylor get me my allocations for uh, a unit that I'm very familiar with and then Dusty and I go and um, our good buddy Jeremy was with us and then Andy was also there uh, hunting with one of the guides from Red Willow Outfitters but we all actually went up and just stayed in a motorhome out near a, a friend's cabin that I met there years ago um, he's got a small little kind of a single single person cabin for himself so um, you know we were out there and were able to mainly be in the camp atmosphere it was pretty sweet we had our yetis out there uh, we didn't we did have a generator to run power um, but we didn't have we actually didn't have any water um, we didn't have any running water or anything like that with the with the motorhome uh, so we half roughed it but we had good dry cover over our heads but it rained I don't know five six inches you know probably an inch a day at least on average um, and it was like I said cold in the morning some days it did the sun would break and it would get hot but you know between sitting in the mud motionless for you know seven hours at a time for mule deer and then covering a tremendous amount of miles up and down and through and then stopping and waiting and glassing um man i'm telling you this gear got put to the test and to make a long story short and to not cut any you know to put all the put all the bs aside i'm just going to tell you that i feel like i've been missing out um th i've i don't even know how to how else to explain it i just know that um there's so many aspects of this product that 
just screams why it has the following that it does and why people are fanatical about Sitka, the people that use it, because it is, it's, at least right now, I can tell you it's the best hunting outerwear product I've ever experienced. Um, and I, you know, for however long it was, 11 to 14 years, whatever it was, I used another product. Um, and you know, I, I'm, and I may do, I mean, I may do with my Under Armour stuff, but what a lot of people do need to realize too, is a lot of the stuff that I wore, um, it was one-off stuff that they ended up, you know, never putting into production. Some of it because, because it was, you know, in their minds too expensive to, put out for sale, but I still utilized a lot of it. Um, and when it comes down to what you can buy and actually put to use, this stuff has been amazing. And I literally, uh, went up there with Andy had already worn it. Um, but I went up there, um, the guides got it. And, um, I got some for Dusty and some for Jeremy who are, who are our guides. They're literally guides that, um, have been in BC for, you know, 15 years or whatever it is guiding, um, moose camps and bear camps and grizz camps and all kinds of stuff. And, um, they just could not believe how well it worked and, I'm in the same boat. It's like, man, this stuff is ridiculously good. So to um, kind of do a little bit of a recap on this, I'm actually going to unpack my bag while I'm talking, and then I need to get into some of the questions that you guys asked on. Um, I put a post out there on Instagram about questions that you guys would have relating to this, and I want to to jump into that one of the things i need to say off the start as well is there's a a lot of you asking about what to wear for whitetail season um i really need to and i'll promise you that this is going to happen i'm going to do a podcast with josh preston and also chris who are both directly behind the whitetail side of things because at this point i don't I've, I know what's, I know what, uh, I guess I have, I've seen the whitetail system and I know what's coming, but I also know, um, that I haven't really jumped into wearing that because right now it's not near cold enough for me to be putting on November whitetail stuff. And that's, um, I shouldn't say that's a totally different system. It's just a different department and, Sika is really good about utilizing their technology to then be customized to the type of hunting situation you're in. So will, you know, a core, um, essentially a core base layer, uh, for, you know, this early season or, or elk season stuff work for whitetail? Most certainly it will. Um, but when it comes to the outerwear, there's certainly a difference, um, you know, for, there's no way I can, I could have done this last hunt in a full, you know, fleece fanatic outfit, um, because I would have burned up. It was, even though it was cool, it was 
very warm from the movement. And one thing that I'm going to tell you guys um, out there is that what John Barclow had said to me about this the system, and I've done a couple podcasts with Barclow um, talking about you know pretty much how to maintain gear that that works that works as a system. And I can tell you that even though I elected to be wet some days, um, so and I'm saying that for this reason, I could have easily wore their full Gore-Tex suit, rain suit, and not been wet at all. Um, and actually, Andy did. Andy wore the the rain suit each day, and he was not wet at all. Um, I'm just, I'm actually pulling them out right now. So, um, the suit that I wore here, I'm trying to find the tags. That's the, so here, <laughs> here's two cool things about Sitka. Well, one cool thing, one thing they need to change. One cool thing is they actually have a little tag on the inside, like a little white tag that actually says the name of the product. So, I went there with a storm front pant. This is my rain suit, by the way. Um, so it's a storm, a storm front pant. Definitely awesome. 100% waterproof. <clears throat> Whenever I wore it, I did not get wet at all. It was, um, it was awesome. It, you know, it does have, like any rain suit will, it's going to have more noise. Um, and when there were three of us trying to stalk a bull elk that we're calling to, um, I just personally knew that it was just kind of too noisy. So um, I ended up hunting a lot without my rain gear if I was in the moment, which on the elk there were several times that I was. Um, so... For the jacket, I wore the Cloudburst. Um, the reason I liked the Cloudburst is it was a little bit lighter. Um, I like the fact that the hood was a little smaller on the neck. Um, it does, let's see, yeah, it does zip in there, which I actually didn't know, which probably would have been nice. Yeah, so this hood actually rolls up and zips in there. I don't even know why I didn't know that, but I know it now. It was... Some of the stuff I got, guys, just so everyone knows, was actually things that they had there that they could get me right away. Some of it could have been samples or, you know, I don't know, stuff that they use in a show. But, yeah, this uh, this is really nice. So, for the jacket, again, I wore the Cloudburst. Um, and what I'll tell you about their rain gear is it was unbelievable how well their ventilation system works so there's there's full waterproof zips in um the inside of the arms pretty much from your elbow all the way down halfway down your ribs you can unzip that and when you're walking in that rain gear and you get to the point where you feel like you're starting to overheat you can unzip those and it's literally like instant air conditioning for your rain suit it just flushed out heat immediately you can do the same thing on the pants um, you can unzip down the sides so 
Um, it worked out awesome. And the other thing I really liked about that with the pants is I could still access my main pockets in the pants that I had on underneath, um, which is really important for me because all my pockets on my pants, I really have situated to where just natural muscle memory reaches for things in certain pockets. You know, I just instantly know if if I want my hyper hot call, it's in my front right pocket. If I want my gloves or my beanie, they're in my right side cargo pocket. You know, if I want my um, my phone, it's in the right side cargo pocket, but on the behind the netting, uh, which is great. These are all things that I've learned on their products that were really well. Um, then on my left side, uh, my left side kind of varied depending on what I was doing. Um, my left side would either be my wind checker or it would be, um, or sometimes my wind checker was on my bino harness if I didn't have my thermocell in there. Uh, and then my left side cargo pocket was my hunting tags in a Ziploc bag. So, um, that's kind of how I ran it, but the pockets worked amazing. You're bone dry. Um, and I guess going back to the thing that I said I liked and I disliked about the Sika, one, they named their product that tags on there. The, the one thing I don't like, I'll tell you this, the one thing I don't like is if you buy a bunch of new Sika stuff, you better have a sharp pair of scissors with you because their tags are, you, they're like five tags to a bundle. They're super long and it doesn't matter if you have a pair of undies or what you have, it's the same tags and they don't tear off. You have to cut them off. I don't know if there's a reason behind that, but uh, I would love to see a tear-off tag because otherwise, you know, I took five pairs of underwear and I'm sitting there sawing tags off for 10 minutes, uh, <laughs> which was kind of annoying. Um, all right, hold on. I need to get a drink of coffee here. Knocked and loaded, by the way. It should be coming in, I think, back in stock today. That's good. Um, all right. So that has to do with the rainwear. I'm just going to tell you um, on some of the outerwear stuff, uh, the bow sling was a lifesaver. Um, I've never used a bow sling before. This thing was unbelievable. And as I used it, I started to appreciate it way more. Um, because the muds were so, or the roads were so muddy, uh, we weren't allowed to drive vehicles on the roads because the roads, you would just sink a vehicle. That's how muddy it was. So, um, we literally had probably four miles, uh, four to five miles to get back to where you could actually have, um, well, I've got permission from a lot of private landowners up there to access the crown land through their, their private land. Um, and usually they just let me park like in their driveways or park at the end of one of their fields. And then I go into the public land. Um, but they seriously, like if you want to lose your opportunity to hunt, if you get permission up in Alberta, then just drive down some of those roads when they're, when they're raining, because it just absolutely trashes the roads um, ATVs are okay. So, um, but there's also rules to that. Uh, 
Um, there's rules to when you can go in and out on an ATV because you can't just bomb around on them all the time. Um, and that's, you know, for the hunter's benefit. So we actually would have to take an ATV um, about four, four or five miles to where then we could start our hunt. And believe me, it was an absolute, it was one, it was cold, it was raining and the mud was crazy. So on the ride out, I was always driving, um, on the ride out, I would have on my full Gore-Tex outer, I'd have the bow sling on my bow and it has a built-in sight protector too. So you can pull out this sight protector, put it around the outside of your sight, uh, it was really, really nice. I could have it, um, you know, slung across my back. It was, you know, the mud and stuff slinging all up everywhere. Uh, wouldn't be in my sight or in my pins, which was awesome, or on my string. It also protected my string from like vibrating around. I actually traveled with the bow sling on my bow in my bow case, um, which is very important. So when people have crap in their bow case that's flopping all over the place while they're traveling. Um, it's very common people damage strings and cables from stuff that's in their bow case moving around. Uh, this totally protected that. So it was an awesome, awesome feature. Um, let's see, for the equipment, I can tell you, like I said, since there's three of us and we're in close quarters, um, there's a lot of like buck brush, a lot of willows and things like that. So you're just constantly dragging your clothes through there. There were a lot of days where the, where it had rained or the rain stopped and then it was just dead calm. So, you know, uh, several of the times we're trying to stalk bulls that were, you know, if I heard a bull talking, I would normally stalk him. Um, rather than get aggressive at calling at them when they weren't really calling yet. So, you know, we were doing a lot of uh, moving without Gore-Tex, you know, full rainwear on. And so we really did utilize the technology behind Sitka when it comes to the ability for this stuff to actually wick moisture off your clothes and dry off. So I can tell you that I could get poured on or in the morning we could be moving through full thick leaved vegetation that's drenched in water and a lot of times you know you're just getting saturated um, from that and as you're moving and you start to heat up um, I did a really good job of you know pulling layers putting layers back on but I can tell you that the ability for this stuff, at least the stuff that I wore here, um, its ability to literally draw moisture off your body and evaporate it off was mind-blowing. Um, I literally dried myself out from my own body heat moving around. And, you know, I was moving, so, you know, keep that in mind. I wasn't sitting in a stationary position. I was moving. Um, when it comes to the core or the base layer, um, I did not use the merino wool. I don't have any. Um, so I actually was using, and this is funny because this is, you know, I told you guys everything had a white tag with a name on it. But anyway, this is literally the core. Um, 
the core base. Um, it is part number, I think, 10035. Wait, no. That's wrong. It doesn't say. So I'm unpacking like I told you I would. I'm literally unpacking as we're going. I can't tell you what this um, product name is. I'm sure it's just the core. Ooh, I found it. Let's see. Yeah. Oh. It says style number 10033 for the top. Um, for I probably... See, the thing is, I cut a bunch of tags off. I probably cut off the wrong tags, which sucks for you guys. I did load on the YouTube channel, Knock on Archer YouTube channel. I did load a full gear. Um, my live feed, that includes all this gear, which I do actually go through those tags. So the best thing is for you all to just go there and check that out. Um, yeah, I slice that tag out of that one, too. Sorry, everybody. Um, but, yeah, that is um, that is what I did. And I used just the core uh, base, and it is I know for sure it is not the merino wool one. I did have the uh, one of the merino wool tops, which worked awesome. Um, but I ended up just going to this regular core. And then I used um, their, let's see. I'll tell you right now so i use their apex system and it was awesome um i use the full apex hoodie and i use the pants and i can tell you right now the pants are game changer 100 percent game changer the knee pads freaking lifesavers i had my doubts on how well they would work they work awesome i mean dusty's knees both need surgery and he just could not believe like when we're on our hands and knees crawling for mule deer and then also even chasing elk you get into those areas where you're in thick thick blow down and you're having to you know you can't climb over stuff you're actually having to get on your hands and knees and crawl under logs um the difference that made was massive. I have a few huge um, chunks out of my knee pads from rocks and also a piece of some type of piece of metal was in one of the fields that I was in and it literally just cut this huge chunk out of this uh, knee pad, which would have been my knee. Uh, so total game changers uh, on the pants. Now, I know one of the questions that's going to come up, because um, I will get into the questions, is going to be the length. Um, honestly, um, at least for this Apex line, there are some that don't, that seem to have a little bit more length, but I'm, you know, I'm just shy of 6'6", six, six, um, and typically I need a, you know, I need a 36 inseam. These are really close to being too short for me, even in 36 tall. Just, I mean, I'm being honest. I've told them about it. Um, they actually have asked if I would give them specifics on what they need for length. 
Um, and I do have a pair of samples with a slightly different length. So I'm really hoping that them having someone on staff that's taller is going to, is going to bring some of this into their, uh, their future lineups of having a little bit more inseam on the tall. Now, what I will tell you is for the tall, the tops do fit good. Um, I love the tops, the, the um, Apex, first off, every hoodie is awesome. Every hoodie is spectacular. It has a built-in face mask that is the most comfortable thing. And honestly, um, you can cover your entire face with it. There was sometimes, um, I actually used it, um, I used it as a mosquito net. <laughs> the mosquitoes were so bad. Uh, a few times my thermocell was so wet it wouldn't work, and that really sucked. Um, but yeah, I did use it for that and it was, uh, it was great. Um, it was really, really good. Um, let's see. The next thing, um, I want to tell you about too is, um, so I wore the gaiters. Um, I wore the regular gaiters. I'm not sure. I'm not doing sick a very good justice right now, but I literally wore the heck out of um, their gaiters and they are awesome very very well made um, the one thing the one thing and and honestly if you're out there and you are a taller person um, if you're a taller person and you're a whitetail hunter I mean obviously if you are someone that wears um, rubber boots then you'll be okay um, if you're someone who wears more of a lace-up boot like myself <clears throat> I wore these gaiters every day and they pretty much filled my gap um, and that's what I'm going to do I just I like the fact that gaiters keep my shoelaces from being pulled out they keep you know when you're out there in that grain it keeps wheat and barley and everything from falling down into your sock and then next thing you know you got one grass seed in your sock that itches the hell out of you because you can never find it in there you can feel it when you're walking around but then you don't feel it when you're not and um so these gaiters were great super quiet worked awesome very adjustable um 100 must for me um let's see here so I, like I said, I did wear the Apex, um, the full Apex gear, and I can tell you one of the um, questions that people asked is, um, I know there's a ton of questions about whitetail stuff, and I just want to tell all you guys out there um, 100%, they're, they're ha they have specific stuff for whitetail. I haven't experienced it, but I, what I will tell you is, I did sit for whitetail with this um, Apex stuff and was super impressed. Um, the only other thing I had that I didn't talk about was a uh, kind of a, a Primaloft puffy jacket. I believe it was the Kelvin. I actually forgot mine. Um, so I borrowed Andy's. Um, there was one with the hood and one without the hood. I borrowed Andy's without the hood and did great. Um, absolutely, 100% was comfortable the entire time. Uh, everything just 
really dried out awesome. The only thing I struggled with, and this was by choice again, was over the course of the day, um, my clothes would wick as my pants um, would get wet. Eventually, if they were getting wet beyond the rate of my body heat evaporating, um, it once it got onto my socks, uh, my socks are not, you know, they weren't made of that, obviously, that same type of material. So once it got on my sock, it just literally wicked, and the bottom of my boots would just fill up with water. Um, so I had two pairs of boots. So all I did was alternate boots each day. Um, I'd keep boots um, back at camp. I'd always pull the soles out, wring them out, and then, um, you know, put the boots upside down. They would they would dry out and the next day I'd be fine. And like I said, um, Andy actually had one pair of boots. He wore the rain pants every day. He didn't feel like the noise was an issue at all. Um, which I'm kind of a little bit more paranoid about that stuff just because of my whitetail background. So, um, I chose to, to do it the way I did it, but I certainly could have been completely bone dry if I chose but I was wet a lot but I was wet and comfortable um and like I said it dried evaporated um I put a thing on Instagram about my bino harness if you the bino harness they make um I saw somewhere in my feed someone said that some of the reviews aren't that great first off I don't know um my review, you know, you don't have to take my review to, you can take it to heart. You can take it to, um, I guess as as part of an evaluation, but it doesn't mean that it's make or break. Some people's, um, some people's reviews I've seen, I've seen some stuff lately, man, I've seen some stuff lately. People have no business, uh, really influencing, people out there that are legitimately trying to buy stuff uh it's unfortunate but i guess i'll let you guys weed through all that um i can just tell you my the bino harness for me worked awesome i really liked it um i came up with a really good system to have my rangefinder on there my um my little call case um on the right side my knock to it fits in there on the outside you can pull the flap over the top uh, or the little outside pocket. You can pull it over the top of the thumb button and uh, works awesome to keep it totally secure. Um, and then on the left side, I had my windicator or I had my thermocell, which was great because sometimes it's a pain in the butt to find a place to keep a thermocell. Then on the inside, obviously, was my binoculars. Um and on the inside, there's also two little sliding pockets or slide-in pockets. On the inside right, I had an extra knock to it. Um, I always carry two releases. That's just mandatory for me. Um, and then on the inside left, I had an extra hyper-hot call. Um, so one's kind of a long-range call, one's a close-range call. Um, so I had that and it worked awesome. The only thing I don't like about their bino harness, uh, and I've expressed this to, to John, um, is I don't like 
black like solid blacks um for coloration and um so there's actually just look in here so there's actually um black where it goes over the top of your shoulders there's black you know and it's not it's not the it's not the worst but I don't like super solid blacks or super sol I don't know I don't like solid panels that's my personal uh feeling you know it's kind of the one thing that sticks out it's like the camo is is amazing um and actually my beanie just so everyone knows my beanie was the wool beanie it was the small merino wool beanie and it was absolutely great um super thin too um so the beanie was awesome the hardest thing for me to get used to was sick is the fact their logo is orange i know i'm not a big orange fan but it is what it is the one thing i'll tell you too with the pants um there's two zippers one goes up and down well they both go up and down but it pretty much allows you you're supposed to have one all the way down so if you got a whiz you can actually just grab the bottom zipper and pull it up well the problem is sometimes you can't sometimes the two of them are together and you're trying to go up or down and you're pulling one past the other and when you really got to go i mean there were probably two to three times where i i almost pissed myself because i was trying to figure out which freaking zipper was the up and the down and the whatever so i ended up just removing the tag um off the bottom zipper the little pull tab so that way i know pull tabs top zipper if it doesn't have a pull tab, it's bottom zipper. So it just kind of helps the process in extreme emergencies. Um, let's see here. For, gosh, dang, I don't have the name of this thing. Um, I was trying to tell everyone the name of the backpack that I had. I really liked it. I really liked it a lot. Um, again, if you go to the YouTube channel, today I loaded... I need to take all this stuff out. It's been here in the house two days, and it's some of it needs to dry out. I just pulled my rain cover off. The rain cover worked great for the pack. Um, gloves were awesome. Um, the gloves were the merino wool gloves as well. They are the same as the beanie. Um, worked amazing. Uh, really liked this pack. I'm not a big, like, I don't have to um, have a pack that... Um, that I'm going to be necessarily hauling meat out on. Um, so both of these hunts are packs that I'm carrying in gear, utilizing gear and layering systems throughout the day and also having enough for food for a full day, um, etc. And this pack was awesome. The only thing it's missing is side pockets, which I'm going to tell I'm going to tell them that whether or not they do it, I don't know, but I really did miss having outside side pockets for my water bottles and stuff. And this particular mo uh, model did not have it. So I kind of really miss that because normally I actually slide my bugle tube down the one outside uh, thing. And, and then on the other side, I always have um, a couple water bottles or kill cliffs or something. Um, and I wasn't able to do that with this one. And it also, 
those side pockets allow me to use my camera arm, which I used a few times uh, sitting in whitetail stands, and I really missed it. Um, but there's also features to it that I really, really like. The one thing I'll say is when you see a Sitka backpack on a shelf, these things are cinched up. All of the cords and outside straps are cinched up really tight, and it actually doesn't do justice to the pack. Um, what you need to do is actually loosen up those side straps in the store, and you're going to get a whole new appreciation for the you know the thought and technology that Barklow put into these. Um, I'm assuming he did them. Um, he may not have, but uh, th they expand probably double what you think it is. So make sure you experience that and everything's well thought out. It's probably way more thought out than what I know, uh, but it is, it is really well thought out and I really liked the pack and, you know, got used to it pretty quick. Um, how everything functioned, how everything worked. Um, let's see, I'm trying to think what else. Um, before I jump into these questions, I got to get motoring too. It's, uh, it's a big day. Um, I do want to say that over the past few weeks throughout the hunts and stuff, we did do some vetting. Um, we actually have hired a, um, a new key member, the position that I had posted. Um, we have filled that position and, um, I, there's a few people that were kind of made the short list for that position. And I want to make sure, um, I'm going to really do my best here as soon as I get some free time to let those people know that, um, and, and, and be able to, to tell you that. But as of right now, um, let's see here, I'm trying to get... Sorry for the interference. I had to turn my phone on in order to go through um, these questions. But the problem with that is, um, as you can tell, my phone blows up with text. So um, that was a problem. But uh, anyway, for all of you who do did submit resumes, I really, really appreciate that. And we will keep them on file, but we did find a perfect candidate. Um, and we did fill that position. Um, his name's Jesse. So, um, but we are definitely keeping the other people on file because we will continue to grow. And, um, as we grow, we'll do that. Some of the, some of the top candidates that we had were out of state too. And we really didn't want to have to fly them here and stuff. If, if we had, um, a prospect, you know, here already that was working out. So, um, if you're wondering about that, or if you were one of the many that submitted a resume, um, you know, we did fill this position but we will also uh, probably be hiring new positions very soon. Um, so we're just going to keep all those on file, and I appreciate you taking the time. Okay, first question. We're going to jump into these, and I'm going to kind of run through a little bit quicker on these since I've already kind of poured 45 minutes into just letting you guys um, 
no and obviously there's some things i had already pre-scanned um i've kind of checked off the ones here that i want to answer um that i think are all slightly on different subjects so um that's why i didn't go into more detail about my gear already because i do want to get into some of your questions so this is from um let's see hack jed lund um says um i'd love to hear about your pack uh, what you ran and why <laughs> I do not know the name of this dang pack, but, um, because this actually doesn't have a tag on the, Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Um, and let's see what it says. No, it could be. No, I don't think that's, I don't think that's it. Well, this one doesn't have a, a tag number, um, but again, in that live feed, you will see, um, you'll see what pack I'm using. Uh, so go to the YouTube channel, watch that. Um, but again, I really, really liked the pack. It was awesome. The one thing I'll tell you guys, all everyone should get is um, get one of the backpack covers. Um, Previously, on my backpack that I used before, the cover was actually built into a lower compartment, and you would unzip it, and you could flip it out and attach it on the bag. This one was, was kind of a secondary thing, so I did buy it, and I did use it. It worked great. Um, but, yeah, this backpack has a lot of features that I really liked. I was able to mount my bow to it uh, pretty easy for travel, um, when I was kind of moving around with the four-wheeler and stuff, um, I could mount it on there. I do utilize another thing for mounting my bow to my pack called a bow snatcher. Um, and it works really, really well. It's one of the brackets that's, that's right off my stabilizer is that bow snatcher. And it kind of drops into a little cog system that you mount on your pack. Um, but these straps also did work great. Um... I utilized this pack, um, pretty much everything about it. Really liked um, the way the pack worked, the way it dried out, um, the way it expands um, was awesome. Super comfortable. Um, I know that there's also someone who asked, and I'm sorry I don't have your name, but there was also someone who asked how this pack, well, I'll tell you, this pack that I have, I forget what it's called, but... Um, it does have a small um, orange metal frame that actually creates a space, a little space between your back and the pack. And that actually was great. Um, it really, really helped keep my back dry. And Dusty even said, normally when I wear packs, my back just sweats to death. And he's like, this thing was really well for that. There's a small pad that's kind of in your lumbar that kind of <clears throat> keeps the pack off your back. Um, a lot of people were asking me how it compared to the Kafaru packs. Um, I just think they're totally different categories. Um, obviously, uh, Aaron Schneider and the Kafaru guys um, and gals have they've really fine-tuned their packs and they're super versatile they're a great company um and they're they're really good people and they've been they've really been trying to get me packs as well um i just wasn't like 
honestly, I wasn't in a mode where I was doing a hunt that needed a pack. Um, and I really like Kafaru. It's, they're good people, and um, I really like them. Definitely support them. Um, but I'm also really wanting to utilize everything Sika has right now in all fairness to Sika and in fairness to myself and the people out there who are wanting my feedback. Um, that's kind of where I'm at. You know, it's, I, I definitely am not going to say it's a better pack. I'm just going to say, you know, they're probably in completely different categories, um, and anyway, I just did find the tab on this. Um, so the pack I'm using, dude, is called the Flash 20. And typically for me, I don't really do hunts where I need more than about an 1800 or a 2200 for size. And um, so that's why this pack is really good for me. Um, once I once I figure out a way to to mount my camera gear in it, I'll probably use it. I'm probably going to have to make some modifications. I'll definitely have to sew on some outside pockets in order to drop my camera arms in there. Um, and again, I do really like to have um, my bugle tube stored down a side outside pocket where I can get it fast or tell my camera person, grab that bugle quick. Um, so, yeah. That's uh, what I'm doing there. Next question here <laughs> is from Adam Kilgore um, saying, why again are you missing my 40th? Well, you know why, Adam. I have a deer or an elk tag, and um, I apologize. There's one birthday I don't miss in the month of September, um, no matter what hunting season is, and that is Sharon's on the 16th. So that's why... I literally fly back from Montana to go to her birthday and then I fly back or last time I drove back and then drove back. Um, so that's why I'm not going to be there. I apologize. If you move your birthday to a different date, um, preferably mid-October, I'll gladly come. Um, so you continue on to say, I mean, which is better um, under the Kelvin jacket? Um so, okay, which is better under the Kelvin, either the Ascent or the Apex? Well, you're saying that you're going to the Gila in early September. So um, I, can, I can just tell you that the Apex, in my opinion, it's the fabric is super quiet, deadly quiet. A lot of, I really like how the hood it's, you know, swept down in the back. It dried out really fast. It's super quiet on the arms um, as you're moving through. And depending on the type of brush and stuff that you're navigating, that really plays in. So, you know, I don't think your conditions there are going to be any different than the conditions that I, that I have. And honestly, um, I leave in a few days. Uh, Sharon and I are doing Montana. And, um, I can tell you that I am a hundred percent just going to take this same exact set that I have. The only difference is I'm going to take a mid layer. Um, so I'm going to take a mid weight core system instead of just the light. That way, if things get a little bit colder, I'll be okay. Um, but I really liked that Kelvin jacket. Um, the ascent at least you know, and I, I'm probably not the best person to ask this stuff to. I wish, I wish I had, um, 
Barklow on again, which the next podcast is going to be with, with Barklow, by the way, um, and Andy and Sharon, I'm sure, because uh, we'll all be sharing a elk camp together uh, kind of up in the backcountry. So um, I just, for me, I feel like the quietness of the apex is a big benefit. I'm somewhat of a whitetail hunter first, so keep in mind I'm a little bit paranoid about sound. Um, so I really, for, for at least for my first experience, and maybe I should do my next hunt only in the ascent, but I'm not. I'm just going to stick with, with what I've got right now, and I like it. Um, the apex was awesome. Okay, next question. This is actually a good question to come up because uh, I haven't mentioned it. But thinking about buying a hex, this is from Rob Page 15. Not sure how to layer it. Um, can I put on multiple layers over it or one under, etc.? Um, uh, I would usually be a medium, uh, and I bit wear my base layers tight. Um, so if you could elaborate on some of that um, for what size I should go with. So um, here's the thing. The Hex is an awesome product, and it doesn't matter which layer. Um, when it comes to the effectiveness of Hex, it doesn't matter how far away from your skin it is. It's going to block um, your electronic emissions. And I, f I really, really feel like 100% I can say without any hesitation the Hex proved itself you know i literally shot my mule deer four yards um i was inside of four yards with that muley bedded with him facing me bedded um literally quartering to me i was i was literally standing up and he was facing away when i got into this position but then he kind of repositioned and he's literally quartering to me and i have my face mask up my eyeballs are looking out of the little slot that I have and I and the the mule deer was literally bedded just kind of chewing his cud and just kind of looking right through me for over 20 minutes um it was pretty amazing and I had my hex on I'm a huge believer in it so my hex always goes over my uh you know that that first base layer that you have that is really designed well to to lift that moisture away from your skin. Um, the one thing that I'll say is um, I don't feel like Hex does anything negative to the Sika system. And it was something that John and I had a very in-depth conversation about um, off the mic as well as on the mic. And it was one thing that... Um, the guys at Sitka, we really talked to talk through, um, you know, I told them flat out, I'm like, you know, I'm a big believer in hex, man. So I'm, you know, I'm going to be wearing it. And, um, so they did it and, you know, and also found out that, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not like a, a base layer that's designed for, evaporation purposes or warmth purposes it's it's literally a barrier it's it's an it's a garment that you put on that is literally blocking your signals um and you know it blocks that ability 
for your electronic signals to to leave your body and i feel personally like um i have more success with it i feel like i have a lot more encounters i feel like i can tell you that that deer was looking at me and also the mule deer that i missed was a hundred percent turned and looked right at me and this is going to fall into one of the camo questions i know is coming um but they literally looked right through me i mean if you if you stand four yards away from one of your mounts in your house and literally imagine that thing sitting on the ground and you're it's literally like laying down in canola which would be equivalent to like you know kind of like crp grass and you just stand three yards or four yards away from it and just stand there and think okay how does this thing not see me and i can tell you that (laughs) that mule deer for 20 minutes until i started to i was sensing that he was getting ready to stand up um because a lot of times with mule deer, once they start to fidget and they normally lick themselves and you can see their rack kind of moving around, normally when they do that, that's about when they're going to stand up. Ideally, if he would have been facing away from me, I wouldn't have needed to try to put tension on the string so soon. But he was kind of licking and moving around and I thought I better put some tension on the string. So I just started to pull and when I and it was the movement that he seen and he kind of popped up to dart and as he was darting i i shot and um for i can tell you right now i shot him with um that axis the knock-on pro series axis 50 grains of brass had the had the uh the bar collar on that i talk about and i shot a rage tripan um he was darting away from me went um right through the back leg um busted the back leg went up through um the body and then went out the lung on the opposite side um and it was pretty dang devastating uh arrow was totally cool broadhead was totally cool um worked flawlessly i was super happy with it um okay so that should answer your question about hex um the sizing honestly sizing is like if you were an xl on something then we're an xl in it um you know the 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 knock-on version of hex you know it's it has give and it has movability to it um it does have it's it's um it's actually a better material than the original hex suit um, I think it's better than like the original one that was like, uh, more of like a camo netting type, type fabric. Um, so, uh, check it out, but yeah, you should pretty much be able to, to wear it as you would, um, any other thing when it comes to sizing. Um, let's see here. Early season whitetail, even from a tree stand it seems like sub alpine would be the better choice Sitka seems to market it more towards spot and stock and ground only but what's your take for early season whitetails i'm with you dude listen here's the thing if there's any type of spring or summer foliage at all sub alpine's the bomb um i'm just telling you right now one of the things 
this is the honest truth. Uh, Barklow can testify because one of the things that was a bit of a hang up for me with Sika was that I just wasn't a big fan of the pattern. Um, and I, I told him, I said, you know, Hey, is there any ability to have some, you know, some input and in a pattern down the road and stuff like that? And he's like, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, we do utilize, you know, input from ambassadors and so forth. And, you know, we do come up with new patterns every several years and stuff. And, you know, but he did tell me, you know, Hey, there's, there's a lot of actual science to this pattern. There's a lot of science to optifade. Um, and I just kind of shrugged it off and I like subalpine, but I also, um, can say it probably wasn't my favorite. Um, I was a big firm believer in the barren pattern. Um, and I really liked that. That was one of the things that I really knew I was going to miss about UA was the barren pattern. But multiple times on this hunt, and these are coming from, you know, between myself, Dusty, Jeremy, you know, there, there's 60 plus years of, of experience with animals um, very close. And multiple times, one or two or all of us would just say that that thing had no idea what we were. No idea. And standing back and taking pictures of those guys and um, just seeing how things interact. I mean, I've I had a lot of animals very close. And there's times where animals will look at you and then they stop and you can tell they're just looking right at you. And then they're trying to figure out what you are now. You know, in my opinion, that's when, you know, when you get picked off like that, something like, you know, that's why I feel like maybe having the hex, depending on how they're seeing or if they're sensing those fields, maybe they can start to realize, oh, okay, that's what shape that is. But if that's not a factor and they're not able to actually get any type of silhouette from your shape, um, it plays a big difference. And I'm, I'm just here to tell you right now, the subalpine pattern in the trees with leaves looked fantastic. Um, and I had one thing about Canada that weirds me out a lot. I've hunted there for whitetails and they're much different than how they hunt their whitetails. Um, typically you're in a ladder stand or some kind of stand not very high you're kind of in a bald poplar tree or something um down here we'd get picked off by a whitetail in a heartbeat up there uh we were able to you know <laughs> i was able to be on the ground two two mature does came right by me and literally just they saw, I think they saw me move a little bit. I forgot my gloves, so I think they saw a little flash from my hands. And then I kind of just slid my hands um, underneath my hoodie. And they just sat there like, what is that? We know we saw something. And then they ended up just went right back to feeding. But multiple times, 
I had stuff look right at me and then just look right through me. Uh, that mule deer. So I took a shot at 48 yards. He jumped, ran about 10 or 12 yards, stopped, started looking around, looked through us several times, went back to feeding. He'd pop his head up. He'd look around. Well, somehow or another, as he's feeding, he's getting closer to us and closer to us. Dusty actually dropped the camera and literally dropped the camera through the brush and his head just ripped up and he was just pinned on where that sound came from. And the two of us are literally just kneeling on a fence line that isn't even grown in. And I'm like, oh, we're totally busted. (laughs) We're screwed. And he just looked and looked and looked to our right, and looked to our left, and looked over our head, and stretched his head up, and looked down, and it was apparent he could not tell what we were, so I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm a believer in the pattern, Um, it's really grown on me, and honestly, now that I've used it for a week, I actually like the pattern more than what I had before, Um, it was just different and it took me a little bit to, to get used to that. Um, let's see here. What kind of knife do I use? Um, this is from Beck Strata. So, um, for knives, I use a ton of knives. I go through a lot. Um, I have several, um, this past week I used a tour knife, um, T-O-O-R, um, I use HMC knives. Um, I've got one, one of the 13s that I use. Um, I travel with different ones. It just really depends. When I go elk hunting, I normally have about six knives with me. Um, because depending on whether I'm either caping, uh, fleshing, deboning, or breaking through bone will really depend on the knife. Um, also gutting. So, I have several. Um, I like having different ones. Um, honestly, I'm working on a knife right now with Tour. Um, I don't think I'm going to be able to get it done uh, before hunting season. I just don't have the time to work with them right now. Um, I'm just really trying to focus on season. So it'll be coming. Um, ideally, I'm going to try to make it a multi-purpose knife that's good for everything, but I do use several. Uh, next question here is from Chelsea Graham. So you're asking what footwear am I using and what do I recommend? So um, I, upon recommendation from Barclow, um, I went and tried Crispies out. I've heard about Crispy Boots for a long time from all my buddies out west. I never could use them. Um, I was kind of looped into always having to wear UA uh, boots. Um, So um, the first thing I did at the Total Archery Challenge was I went up to Crispy and actually used some of their demo boots and I shot the uh, Total Archery Challenge in a pair of Crispy Thors. And holy cow, they were awesome. really really excited about these boots um they worked great i actually um ended up buying a pair of the demo ones um 
because I was pretty much refusing to leave there without some. I really wanted to get home and use them. And then since then, I got a pair of um, of Thors in an EE, which is a wide, which I've come to learn now that if I'm going to be in a very lightweight sock, um, then I can use just the regular width. But if I'm going to utilize a thicker sock, which I was actually demoing several different socks, um, I have some prototype socks I was using. Um, and if I am using a slightly thicker sock or even a cold set weather or cold season sock, I need that EE boot, which I never had the option of getting before. But I can tell you it's actually really, really nice to have some spacing for your toes to be able to spread apart. Um, I actually feel like my feet stayed healthier um, through that amount of walking. Um, the one thing I will tell you is I do bring extra insoles for my boots um, on my trips. It's e They're lightweight. They're easy. They don't take up any space. Um, and one of the things that really keep your boots wet the most are the insoles. If you pull the insoles out and wring them out and dry them out, the inside of the boots dry probably twice as fast. Um, and you also really reduce, um, you know, the amount of odor that you'll build up in there depending on, you know, your feet. But uh, I recently bought Sharon some Krispies uh, in the women's. They're, I don't know the model name. Sorry about that. I'm terrible about that. Um, I know these ones. They're called Thor's. Um, Rogan just got a pair too. He said, you know, I went out and got some of these cause I heard you talking about them. Um, I haven't been able to ask him if he really likes them yet or not, but I know Andy freaking loves his. Um, I love mine. They're a perfect height. They worked really good with these gaiters. Um, and I got, I, th I think it's similar to a Thor, what I got for Sharon. And she's actually done about, uh, 10 miles in hers. And she said that literally they felt like kind of just like a pair of regular worn in boots on the very first go. Um, now they don't have insulation. So if you're sitting, um, having a boot that does have some space in it that allows you to wear a good sock is going to be important. Um, I'm a big fan of wool socks when it gets cold. I like wool socks, even though they're a little scratchier on your feet. Um, they, the warmth is just massively different, but check it out. It's called Krispies. Um, it's C R I S P I crispy hunting is on Instagram, what they are and Um, yeah. And you should tell them, make some knock on green. I've got them. I've been bending their ear about some knock on green versions of Thor's. So let's see if we can make that happen. Um, let's see, uh, bossy underscore Ben saying, do you still use your broadhead adapter rings with your tripans, even though they already fit flush? Yes. So the bar system isn't just for your head fitting flush. It's also for strength and what I call plunging some broadheads that screw internally into shafts. They can plunge, um, so in other words, they can drive down into the shaft depending on the design of the ferrule and end up spreading that shaft apart. A bar system completely eliminates that and it 
eliminates any type of like ballooning on the end of your shaft. Um, so yeah, it's not just about being square. It adds a lot of strength to it. It adds a lot of strength laterally as well. Um, let's see here. Uh, Britt Dowling is asking, um, what would you change about your gear choices, um, for this next trip and why? So, um, that's a really good question. There's a couple things that I would, um, change. Um, and I should, well, probably not even a couple. Um, I probably would have, um, went a little bit different on socks. I had like a lightweight sock and a heavyweight sock. I really wish I would have had a good midweight sock. Um, Andy was running a really good, just midweight sock, um, in a smart wool sock and he just really loved them. Um, I think that would have been better for me because, um, the heavier weight socks, obviously they wick more, they're able to hold more, more moisture. So they wicked a lot more. Um, the other thing too, is I would have actually brought, if I would have brought the, the Gore-Tex, um, gaiters, which they do have waterproof gaiters, if I would have brought the Gore-Tex ones, I would have saved myself. Um, they Well, one, I could have had my socks kind of folded down enough to where they would have stayed behind the gaiters. And I would have really kept my feet dry. Um, and I would have had, you know, legs that were wet if I would have kept my Apex pants. Um, but I think I could have really reduced that um, by having a Gore-Tex gaiter. Um, I also would have remembered to pack, um, I should have packed one of the wind stopper sets. Um, Dusty had one and I'm, I think it's actually this one. Um, I'm looking right here. Sharon's got a jacket sitting here. It's called, well, it, at least in the women's version, it's called the jet stream. So it's kind of has a, um, almost like a, a, a light fleece interior, but it's going to be one of the wind stopper fabrics on the outside. Um, so just when that wind is howling, I utilize my rain gear. If I'm, when the wind picked up and I was wet, you know, that was kind of the time where I would feel like, okay, you know, it's cold. I'm saturated. It's my own fault, but, um, you know, the wind is starting to kind of cut through me a little bit. I would just put on my Gore-Tex rainwear and it would instantly block the wind. If I would have had this jacket, I actually probably would have used this more than the one that I had and I would have been okay. But there's, you know, there's also, and I don't know the name offhand, but there's also one of their uh, rain systems that's more of like a, more of like a micro suede and that probably would have been a better choice for me since I was worried about noise but for whatever reason I just went with this other one um, so sorry about that that's kind of my uh, let's see here I'm gonna load more questions I'm gonna have to turn my phone back on to get them so sorry everybody if you hear yeah here comes all the interference um, all right, so um, next question is from N MDS599. In regards to younger hunters who can't pull very heavy poundage or have shorter draw lengths, what would be the ideal setup for them? 
um, for example, 2660. Um, let's see, hitting 270 feet per second won't happen with more than a 300 green arrow. Yeah, 100% right. You're not going to, and you just real, need to realize you're not going to. Um, I have no idea what Sharon or Harry shoot for speed. The main thing I do is make sure that they have an arrow that's matched properly for that. Honestly, you're kind of sounding like a really good candidate for like a 400 shaft. Um, you can't focus on speed when you have super low poundage or super low draw length. You just have to f to really look at what's going to be the most accurate for you and go with it and not really think about the speed thing. Your only other option is to go with a bow that actually has a lot more speed off, you know, right out of the box, um, like a turbo model or something like that. Um, or you, you really have to get that poundage up if you have a, a really short draw length. That's just the reality of it. Um, but, you know, keep in mind, people like people like Adam Greentree, um, he has no idea what speed he shoots. I can guarantee you it's not really fast. He shoots a very heavy arrow. Um, and, you know, he kind of just keeps the weight of the arrow up and keeps it, you know, the keeps it very stable arrow and um it helps quiet down your bow as well so um just keep that in mind sharon and harry they're shooting 40 pounds it um sharon has a 26 inch draw harry's is 28 um well he's probably more now but that was a year ago um and he's shooting about 45 pounds um so their speed is slow but you know they actually are very good candidates for a single pin sight, adjustable sight. I'm always there with them, so I'm able to say, okay, it's 25 yards or it's 27 yards. And if you're slower, having the, that precise setting is actually um, helpful. Uh, let's see, what's your total arrow weight for elk? I'm, man, if I didn't. I was really, really wanting to take full metal jackets on this hunt. I might have to wait till the next hunt to take my FMJs. Um, so I may just go with these. But I think my total weight was somewhere around like 526 grains um, is where I'm at right now. I could be wrong about that, but that's where I think I'm at. Um, but I did want to shoot full metal jackets for elk. Um, I think people out there, you know, if you have FMJs and Axes both, I think if you shoot them both side by side, you're going to get a whole new appreciation for them. Um, so I understand a lot of people want to have that extra speed, and that's why they're going with the Axis. Um, but there's also big benefits to an FMJ. That's probably good for another podcast too. Um, let's see here. Uh, Schwacker is saying I'm having a hard time finding a bino harness system for tree stand hunting. How did you like the Sicko bino pack? I'm concerned about it hitting my string. There shouldn't be any concern with you hitting your string unless you're overdrawn. Um, if you're overdrawn your bow, then yeah, certainly you could have the ability to hit your string, but you're going to hit your chest no matter what, if you're having that problem. <coughs> I'm, uh, 
very very happy with this system i'm going to use it again and actually i'm getting another one for sharon to have her camera gear in there so she's going to have her uh her camera uh kind of her picture camera right inside there and some of her you know extra batteries and things like that for filming is going to be right in that pack so i really like it um so uh, let's see here. Jgas3 was asking, uh, without bashing one or the other, how does UA compare to Sitka? Uh, only reason I'm asking is because I'm going on a late season hunt this year and we'll be spending the money, so I'd like to hear your opinion. So I think I covered that. Um, I can tell you right now, um, I really feel like there's no question why sick is seen as an advantage and um i actually i forget who i talked to I, but i was talking to a completely neutral party just the other day about this same exact subject and you know sometimes people who are on the outside they have good perspective because it's just plain common sense and um i said yeah i just you know i can't believe it was just that much better and they said, well, you know, you're, you're literally wearing gear that's made by guys that hunt, that hunt all the time and hunt in very hardcore shit. So, yeah, it's going to be better. And then I just looked at him and I'm like, yeah, I mean, duh, of course. Uh, you know, you look at a company like Hoyt, they make better target bows because their engineers are target archers. You know, they have guys that hunt on the Wasatch every day that they can get off work. So yeah, they make, you know, they make stuff for those conditions. They make stuff based on going out and having a failure on something in their own tough environment. And they're like, okay, yeah, we, we can't sell that. We need to do this. And Sika, that's, <laughs> that's the example. Um, these the guys that are there go on legitimate hunts i mean i was just talking to my buddy the other day um or he was he was actually a mutual buddy but uh you know we were talking something about a place where i was where i'm going to be going hunting and i've never ever been there and i know uh barklow he said yeah barklow hunted there um in the past and i said oh yeah i'm like you know and he he, uh, he was talking about, he's like, well, you know, never really saw him. He just, you know, he literally came home every night, you know, ate some food and slept in his truck. And, you know, then he was literally hunting, you know, off hunting the next morning until, you know, 1030 at night the next night. And then he'd, you know, make some mountain home, eat, sleep in his truck. And it's like, okay. Yeah. I literally don't know anyone that was at UA that did that. No one. So, yeah, of course this guy's going to make stuff to where he can do that. Otherwise, he's not going to be comfortable and he's not going to be happy. So, you know, if that's the type of hunting that you're going to be doing, then you're buying it from the people that are making it for those purposes. And that's the reality. I had this same conversation with someone the other day. I just said, you know what, when I used to ski competitively, you know, you go into some really foul conditions and ski wear is just really, really good. And 
it's like, yeah, well, it's made by people that ski. Um, you know, it's not like you can't go buy really high quality ski clothing from, you know, someone who makes basketball shorts. I mean, that's, that's the best way to put it. And it's the truth. Um, you know, I did well with the stuff of the past and, and it worked good. Um, I made it work. I figured out a system to make it all work, but this, the figuring out the system part has just been done for me and it was very, very easy. Um, and it's working great. Um, let's see, straightway outdoors is saying, I'd like to hear comments on the weather and how sick could perform. I think I covered that. Um, please talk about the sick camo pattern. This is from John Palladini. Um, and if you sincerely believe it makes a difference in your time to detection, absolutely. Uh, and I can tell you coming from Andy Stumpf as well, uh, former SEAL who was with me, he said the same thing. I think his, his words were, God damn, this stuff is freaking working unbelievable. And I said, dude, it is working unbelievable. Uh, okay, let's see. Do Doc Rock, <laughs> Doc Rock 8, saying, how many arrows do you typically take on your hunts? I normally take about 18. On my hunts, it really depends. Just keep in mind, uh, I always... Two things happen. One, I separate arrows. I take like nine and nine. Um, I normally travel with two cases. I traveled with this um, big Sitka, like waterproof rolling bag. It's freaking great. Um, but normally I separate my stuff out um, in case one of my bags get trashed or something. Um, but yeah, 18 is a pretty normal number. In Alberta, I had multiple tags. Um, if I'm going somewhere where I just have one tag, you know, I might take a dozen, uh, but normally I take a dozen and a half and then I normally practice, um, I'll normally build two dozen arrows. Um, I'll practice most of the year with six of those and then I'll keep a dozen and a half kind of ready to rock. Um, let's see here. If I could only buy one piece of sick gear, what would it be? That's such a freaking great question, dude. Um, this is from Eric Matt. Let's see. Yeah. Eric, I guess Matthew. Yeah. Eric Matthew Russell. Um, so yeah, that's a great question. And honestly, it's a piece that I haven't even talked about. Um, that I haven't even worn, but I wear it every day, um, just around the house and they make it in camo too. It's actually the very first Sitka piece I ever saw, um, that I held and actually tried on. And it was, um, it, it's a fanatic hoodie. It's so it's like, a it's, it's not a, it's not an outer piece. Um, it could be at, at the right time, but um, it's literally probably the most innovative midweight hoodie um, you'll ever find. It's really, really awesome. Has a built-in face mask, which most of their hoodies do. do. Um, has a front zip pocket, and uh, it also has um, a pocket on the front, like you know, similar to a hood. Um, but it also has, uh, 
you know, they're, I guess it's like a polygene odor free technology, but it's, it's got a long, um, kind of a long cuff that you put your thumb through and on the inside of the cuff, it's actually, um, it's like fleecy. So you can, you can actually, um, it's like warm to the, it's like warm to the touch. I don't even know how to explain this thing, but it's, it's pro it's not an outer like performance piece. This is actually like, if you're going to buy one thing from Sitka and wear it around, you could utilize this under your other stuff. Um, but I just really like the design of it. I don't know. I could be totally wrong, but otherwise, um, and I'll know more, honestly, I'll know more in a year's time. By the end of the season, I'll know way more. Right now, I'm a total greenhorn. Um, let's see here. Mr. Haspect is saying, two, day, two days ago, I took a nice uh, blacktail buck, and I had my nocturnal knock shatter, obviously spoiling my shot. Have you heard of this? Only my second time shooting that arrow. Um, so... There's a couple things. This isn't totally relating to what I'm talking about now, but when you put in nocturnal knocks or any lighted knock for that matter, you got to keep in mind it is not a solid piece of plastic. Like, um, it's not a solid piece, like, um, because obviously there's a battery in there, there's a light in there, so it's different than normal. Um, so when you put those in, you do have to um you do have to put wax on the knock as you put it into the shaft because if you're cramming it in there and you're having to turn it and it's like popping like as it's going in or you're having to bite it with your teeth to get it to turn or you're having to put it on your string and jam it in there then you've damaged it on the way in and you've pre-damaged that knock um, so that is going to be my guess. Um, otherwise, you know, I really don't know what to tell you unless, you know, if you use it a time before that and another arrow slapped it or hit it and it was fractured, um, that's a pretty important public service announcement <clears throat> is making dang sure that your knocks are, and your arrows are, not getting hit by other arrows and then you just shooting them without inspection. Uh, one of my good buddies, Thomas, who was on one of the first seasons of the show, uh, put an arrow through his entire hand because uh, he actually borrowed someone's bow at a range to just to shoot it one time. A guy had a brand new bow. He goes, hey, can I see how that bow feels? And he said, yeah. And the guy just shot a group. He had smashed a bunch of arrows together, and he gave Thomas an arrow, and they never inspected it. And they had literally had shattered it, you know, or cracked one of the knocks and kind of halfway Robin Hooded the arrow. And when Thomas knocked it, he never paid attention, shot the arrow, and the arrow just literally was already you know damaged and then when he shot it it came apart completely and ended up putting it into his hand um and it's one thing i don't see enough people take take note of and that is you know when i see people that want to like turn their knock or index their knock a little bit so their veins clear the rest when i see people just grab the end of their arrow and just 
crank the end of their arrow to get their knock to like pop into its place or bite with their teeth. These are all really poor habits. The best thing you can do is take a little bit of string wax, put it on the knock, and then push it into that arrow shaft, and it's going to be a hundred times better, um, and you're not going to damage it. Let's see, Mag25X, um, how long before... <laughs> I, well, how long before Sick of Gear and Hex partner? Um, I just gave him a fingers crossed sign. Um, yeah, I said that. <laughs> I actually said that to them. I said, you know, why don't you guys just buy Hex and put it in your fabric? Then you can have it in whatever layer you wanted. Um, so let's see. Next question here is from BDG. Um, BD Gentile. So can you describe how you layer your hex? Um, well, with warm weather hunts, you're saying specifically. So with warm weather hunts, I'm just going to wear a lighter core or base layer and then literally my hex and then my outer will still be able to be a very light unit. So like I said, there I hunted in temperatures ranging from 40 degrees up to a probably 70s um and i was literally in the apex system with the core the hex was in the middle and then i used that uh the kelvin on the outside um and i'm i'm confident that i could wear you know like in lanai it's pretty dang hot there. I'm confident that I could go out and literally utilize, um, you know, utilize that same system and, and not overheat. Um, let's see here. And I have not tried their early season. You know, Sika does have an actual, like, I think it's like, a, like an actual early season, but I haven't tried that one. Um, did, okay. So then next question here is from Drew Watkins or Drew Adkins 90, I guess. Um, did I wear the Merino or the synthetic base? I did talk about that. I wore the synthetic. I wore the core. Um, I did have one piece of the Merino wool really liked it. Um, but the length was a little bit short for me. Some of the stuff they did not have in the tall sizing. So I just got it in the regular sizing and the ones that I did were a little bit short on my waist. Um, if you're, you know, if you're my size, I would definitely recommend the talls. Um, let's see. Um, next question, Andrew Ehard. Uh, so he's saying, John, you've said um, that due to your long limbs, you tend to get cold hands and feet in the tree stands in late season. What strategy with socks? or sock combinations um did talk about that so um is sick of coming out with socks um i think they're dabbling in that theory i'm trying a few socks out for them right now um if it gets cold i'm just a big believer like i have some i have some old timey 100 percent wool socks um, in about three different thicknesses and depending on how cold it gets um, you know as my feet start to feel a little bit cold um, I'll just go up to the next thickness just the one thing I'll recommend is um, 
having room in your boots is important uh, for you know, for keeping your foot, I feel like when there's too much compression on your foot, it doesn't stay as warm as when you have some spacing in a very good sock. I'm not personally a multiple sock person, um, but I know some people that are and really like it. Um, but I'm, I'm a wool sock person. Um, when I was in, um, when I was in France last year for that winter hunt, um, I wore, smart wools socks i wore some full wool socks that i got from cabela's and i also wore some kenetrek socks which i really liked as well um all right next question joseph uh Borowski is saying have you considered the the p23 veins i'm f- using a four fletch instead of the four fletch max stealth same dimensions but just smaller yeah, I tried some too. Um, I'm I've actually considered them um, for other pre- purposes, but honestly, um, when I tried them, I was happy with what I was running currently. Mainly because I'm using a magnitude of broadheads, so having the four fletch with the three inch is more beneficial for me because I do try a lot of different broadheads and I can get those to fly great with a lot. If I was just shooting like only tripans or a small compact head, um, like even the Wacom, I'm probably sure I could get her away with those. Um, but I'm really happy with the ones I've got. Um, okay, next question is James Bottleston saying, um, how is the GoPro working on the stabilizer? Um, so it works really well. Um, I've got the little cube one because it automatically inverts the image if you're upside down or right side up. So, um, works really good. The bracket is actually a bracket that I got just at one of the GoPro displays. I've had that question a lot too. I don't really know what the part number was. Um, but I really like it. The main thing is, you know, obviously you can get your shot, but if your follow through goes, you know, you kind of have to really shoot and then, just hold your fist out and make sure you're following with your fist. Um, I did a poor job. I never turned it on for any shot this whole trip, which was my fault. Um, but I wasn't thinking about it as much cause I had two guys on cameras. Um, let's see here. Travis, Andrew 22. Um, how is the sizing of your clothing? They seem to run small for me. So, um, What's nice about sick is they do have odd sizes too. So you can get 36, 37, 35. I mean, you don't have to just get an even size. You can get an odd size if you want. Um, I feel like different, um, I feel like different models have had slightly different fit. Um, and what I say by that is, um, like my apex in, uh, in this 36, uh, they they fit good, but they fit just a little bit snugger than, um, for example, right now I'm wearing a, a pant. God, I hate not knowing the names of these things, but I just, I'm a rookie. I'm a, I'm a junior novice. Uh, but, yeah, so I think the best thing to do is, um, if you're going to be layering as well, size up. And you can size up one inch. You know, you don't... 
you don't have to be 36, 38. Um, you know, if you're normally a 36 and you know that you're going to put a, a, a layer underneath and buy it in a 37. Um, typically when I hunted before, I always had 34s for my early season hunts. And then I had 36s for once I started to, to really layer hard for whitetails. Um, so, you know, I actually had to, to buy pants in different sizes, depending on that. And that's something to keep in mind, depending on how many layers you plan to put underneath. Um, if you do plan to utilize their core, which is an unbelievable wicking, and I can tell you, I I took uh, two sets of core, I took two sets of pants, and two sets of tops. Um, I took, I think, a pair of underwear for each day and a pair of socks for each day. Um, but the only thing I changed the entire week that I was in Alberta, well, I was actually up there nine days, the only thing I changed uh, was my underwear and my socks. I wore the same pair of pants, same core, same hoodie, same top, same outerwear the entire t- time. And I can tell you normally when Sharon like opens my bags, when I get back, she's like, whoa. Um, <laughs> she did not say that this time. Um, a lot of people, there was a lot of guys sleeping in this motor home and it was a lot of guys covering a ton of miles and it did not smell like a football locker room. Again, testimony to, to that polygene, uh, fabric that they have as, as their core, uh, really, really helps. Um, but yeah, I would, um, I would just recommend going in a store, trying some on in the different sizes, and then if you do know you're going to need to put something underneath and just size up one size instead of, you know, order it in the half. Um, let's see, James uh, Hankins, 75, is saying, are you going to be using the the ESW for the whitetail hunt? So it, that's the early season whitetail kit. I haven't got it yet and haven't seen it yet. I'm assuming yes, and again, all these whitetail questions, there's a lot of you that had questions for whitetails. I got to get uh, Chris and um, and Josh on here because they are going to be the guys that are going to walk me through it, and they're going to be the guys to get me what I need to try first. I'm literally being putty in their hands for right now, so that's going to be coming. Um, suggestions for early season gloves, for sure. These lightweight Merino gloves that I have, they were great. Really liked them. Um, let's see here. Throcky was asking, um, about my hex and where I utilize it. I think I covered that. Um, let's see here during the podcast, this is from D DJ underscore young 47 during my podcast with John Severson, you mentioned you'd be taking the rage extreme to alberta just wondering if you did and how it performed listen they perform awesome i actually did not shoot it because i was going to shoot my elk with one and did not get a shot at an elk i did not use it on the mule deer because when i started slipping in on the mule deer i realized that my shot was through um, in that canola which can sometimes you can have a lot of stuff in your way so i wanted kind of the most precise smallest fixture i could flying through that stuff so i actually chose to shoot a tripan um but i will have a rage extreme with me and i i'm gonna try one on an elk so we'll see um 
Let's see, uh, should your bottom knocking point be slightly bigger than the top? A lot of times, yes, that's a good idea. It helps put downward pressure on the arrow. It'll help keep it down on the rest. Um, let's see, knock on TV. Now that you can talk openly about hex, how much do you think uh, camo patterns um, actually have on being less detectable to the eye? I think camo pack patterns, I think, honestly, camo patterns play a huge part. I think I've seen people that are on the sides of hills that look like a big burnt stump walking across it. Um, I think it's a problem. I honestly am giving two thumbs up to this subalpine pattern. Uh, I'm a huge believer. I think the camo pattern and hex are two totally different things, but I think they both are equally important in what they bring to the table. Um, Aaron73HWT is asking me again about the Bino Bivy. Um, said not seeing the greatest reviews. I don't care. I freaking liked it. I'm going to have it on again. Um, and I don't have to use it, by the way. I'm using it because I like it. Um, let's see here. Uh, do, 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 uh, B underscore Nolan7. I know you like the Rage Broadheads and just picked up some. Uh, Want to start testing? Will you use the same hypodermic tripan on elk as that you would on deer? Yes, um, 100%. Um, how do I minimize the chance of broadheads failing? Listen, dude, they're they're going to open. They're going to open. It's going to happen. You're going to have a bigger cut going in than what you will going out, and it's there's it's going to be devastating. It's a great head. You know, I was talking to uh, Lukoski couple months back about um rage and he told me flat out he said you know anytime we have guests come here and hunt at our place we make them shoot them because we just know with the holes and the devastation they do when we have guys that come here and get nervous and they make poor hits we have way better recovery with rage um and i believe it 100 percent. that's kind of how i look at it too um, what's the biggest comfort of the Sitka system compared to the UA sit, uh, system? Man, I'll tell you right now, just the technicality and the, the way things are thought out. Um, small things like, you know, just the way, the way they fit, the way they're tapered. Um, the knee pads are, if nothing else, knee pads. I would wear them no matter what. Like, I'm not hunting, again, without knee pads. Not happening. Uh, my ability to crawl around on my knees, they're in the perfect place. I've used knee pads for years and years and years. If you have to sit back on your butt, your legs fall asleep. Otherwise, if they're in the wrong spot, you actually get, you know, even though your knees aren't getting rocks and thorns in them, they're still, like, you're still chafing your knee. Um these things were just great. I mean, they, they really did fit well. The fabric, the ability for the fabric to lift your moisture off you and actually utilize your body as like a furnace to evaporate that off is not anything I've experienced ever before. I'm just telling you. The technology of the fabric is 100% um, different. It's just it, there's technology there that I'm actually fascinated about i want to learn more about it and i would not be surprised if they don't fully tell it, the rest of the world what is totally different about it i think it's easy for them just to say 
uh, you know, we're confident it's better than anything out there. And I, honestly, like what I said before, uh, I've talked to a lot of guys now at Sitka or even now some people that were at Sitka previously who are now kind of at different different uh, positions as well. But every one of them says, listen, there's no question. We, lit- you know, we've tested everything and, you know, we we're confident we have the best product on the market and I'm confident too. Um, let's see here. Whitetail hunting. Uh, oh, this is, so the says whitetail hunting packs and boots recommendations. Um, I'm not going to give that yet. This is a Boyer 35. I'm not going to give that yet. Um, but I did like another part of your question. You said, do you sacrifice, um, a noise? Do you sacrifice, um, noise, for scent you know a noisy pack that's waterproof um or for scent so um let's see do you sacrifice a noisy it just says a pack um well so here's my belief i'm like i think there's certain products out there that help with scent um and it's something that literally, you know, like I think ozone has a purpose um, of actually like you're giving off scent. It, you know, changes that molecule. But when it comes to like product, um, I know 100% I can't beat the nose of any wild animal that I'm hunting. So I just have given up on that. Um, seriously, I, I just play the wind if the wind's not right, you're not going to, you're not going to make it. Um, I've, I've been absolutely crazy about scent control in the past and I've now, (laughs) poor shades. Um, and now I've actually just got to the point where it's like, I do my best. I keep my clothes washed. Um, I keep my clothes, you know, as scent free as I can, but I'm not, I'm not crazy about it and I feel like I'm still as successful. That's, that's the truth. I'm not going to go nuts about it anymore. Um, you know, I touch things all the time. I have to eat in the stand. I like having a coffee to stay warm. Bottom line is there's scent, you know, I've got scent within some of the stuff that I'm never going to get out. Um, I think putting it in an ozone thing, doing your best to get some of that done. I think some of that's important, but, um, I just do not feel like um, like I can sacrifice. Um, you know, I would rather. I can't fully control scent, so if that asks for, you know, if I put that to the side, it's all about you know what's going to give me the best advantage for being able to be quiet and be able to be mobile, um, and then obviously stay dry is also going to be in there. But scent is probably lower on my, you know. I don't like a product that makes me create scent. I, you know, if, if it's wicking properly, it won't. Um, but from a backpack point of view, you want to make sure you can somewhat make your, your backpack needs to be waterproof at some point, because that's the one th- part of your gear that if you don't want something wet, you've got to be able to hide it. So, yeah, I mean, I have a rain cover that I pull over my backpack uh, to keep it fully waterproof when that's happening. Um, but you know, and honestly, a lot of times I'll utilize that rain cover for like a meat bag as well. Um, if I need to later on. So 
that's my two cents on that. Um, let's see. Andrew Wilson's asking, what do you think is more important, a rangefinder or a good pair of binoculars? Definitely a rangefinder if you're an archer. you got to know the range more than you have to see it. Um, let's see here. X Crazy JX asked what was the thing I liked most about Sika Gear, how it handled. I think I covered that. Um, let's see. Fixed blade broadhead choice. That was I did a thing on that the last week. Um, I'm going with the four blade Wacom and a Muzzy Trocar is what I'm going with. Um, I noticed you use a thermocell. Um, okay, so this was um, this was. Um, this was part of the question I just had. This is from two names, 64s asking me pretty much about, I use a thermocell. Do you, do I think, um, whatever game I'm hunting smells or senses it at all? Yeah, I'm sure they do a hundred percent. It gives off smell. And that's another reason, you know, I can't be totally scent free when, you know, there's a million mosquitoes out there and I'm having to run a thermocell. Um, so yeah, I mean, to have to be paranoid about scent, you know, you, spend all this time being super paranoid about scent and then you go out and um i've well i've got i've got some guys at a camp that are as paranoid about scent as you can possibly be but then you know i'll go in a blind after them and there's candy bar wrappers in there it's like well i can guarantee you right now that deer can smell that candy bar just as good as it can smell human and it's going to relate them the same way um, and if you're needing a thermocell, then yeah, they're definitely going to smell it. I mean, they do smell it. Um, you know, it gives off odor. So, you know, it's not something that they're going to totally be comfortable with. And in those situations, you just, you have to play the wind. Um, let's see here. There's still quite a few questions. Um, I got to get rolling here pretty quick, getting hitting the two hour mark. Um, this is from Derek Stanford. He had a two-part question. I'm just going to answer the second part. He's saying, I have an IQ bow sight, and I'm not sure how the rover pin system works. I have five micro pens in the fifth pin. Um, can I make the fifth pin a rover, or would it be my best interest to go to the Sherlock? So Sherlock's not going to be available right now. Um, I can tell you they have pins where the one pin is immovable and the one pin moves. And if the one pin is movable, then yeah, you pretty much, you know, utilize your top pins in a fixed position. And then that fifth pin will move to other positions, um, which will be your Rover. So you'd have to have a mark where it's sighted in at 40 and then 50 and then 60 and you move it according to what that is. Um, Let's see here. Uh, David Segrist is saying, um, will you run subalpine in the woods or will you switch to elevated two? So I'll definitely run subalpine until foliage drops. Then I'm going to switch to elevated two. Um, but yeah, I think subalpine is, is big time overlooked. Um, it needs... It needs to be considered for early season whitetail. It is a fantastic pattern. Uh, definitely, definitely. Um, let's see. Abe Eza74 is asking if I use gators. Yeah, I used them, loved them. We'll use them again. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see. What do I use for a backpack? Answered that. Matthew Newton asked, um, since you and I are the same draw length, how are the sleeves for length? Sleeves are good in the tall sizes. Uh, go for it 
pants, you might need the gaiters, uh, if I'm being honest, but I'm trying to get that changed for next year. So, um, I'm trying to get them to do a drop seam just so everyone knows, um, we'll, we'll, we'll bend elbows at that. Um, let's see, how did you lay out your day pack? Talked about that. Anything that I would have tossed? Yeah. After the first few days I tossed a lot of extra batteries and crap like that um so yeah I would have what I would have liked to add is like I said pockets to the outside for more hydration I didn't really carry a lot of hydration just because I don't like them at the very bottom of my pack it's kind of annoying um let's see what travel hard bow case do you use for the rx1 ultra so right now i'm not using a hard case i'm traveling with the easton roller case um, both of their sizes will actually fit an rx1 either the small or the bigger one um, and that's it that is it folks so you're all awesome i got to get out of here we actually have ha, 20 seconds to hit two full hours. So with that, I got to get out of here, moving into the new knock on HQ today. So knock on everybody. We'll be coming at you later with more gear stuff. I'll guarantee it. See ya. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com. <laughs>